You listen to 247 Real Talk. Once again, this is your host, Julian Perry. For this episode, I'm honoring the requests of several of my biggest supporters, biggest fans, to share my own perspective again. And I'm choosing to do so for this episode on current times. Things like the rent moratorium, COVID-19, tax shelters, and more. I'll be right back to chat. So good evening to all my listeners out there. Thank you once again for joining me for another episode of the 247 Real Talk podcast. I appreciate you all. It is Wednesday, August 4th. Since I'm doing this solo, I've started late. It's uh, 11.52 p.m. on the eastern seaboard of northeast United States. Um, and there's a few things I want to... Uh, touch on as I share my thoughts with you for this episode. As many of you know, I can get pretty into these discussions because real talk is real talk. Human life is human life. I have a piece of paper in front of me that I jotted down several uh, notes, things I wanted to touch. I'm hoping that they go in order, but maybe they won't. We'll see how it goes. So, last weekend, the United States Senate stayed in Washington, passed their time to leave on vacation to iron out this uh, much-talked-about infrastructure bill. It was critical that it get done so that in the upcoming days it can be voted on and hopefully passed and it means a lot of things for a lot of states in terms of money and things they can do. So here goes my rant. First off, the same weekend, the members of the House and the members of uh, the Senate left Washington or were supposed to leave. The rent moratorium that was um, put in place by the federal government expired. There are a few states like New York where they have their own rent moratorium imposed and it doesn't expire till August 31st. But the fact is that many, in many states it expired. Now, I'm, I'm not sure of the numbers, but... I've heard numbers like 3 million people. I've heard numbers like 12 million people. I'm not sure how many people get affected and how many people are on the verge of eviction. Now, I always try to be very clear and very honest about my feelings when I, when I, when I share these rants. And I'm thinking that there are different types of families and tenants here. So let's get some out of the way so that we don't have to cause those to be a, a thorn in this, in this discussion, in this argument, so to speak. 
yes, they're going to be, there, are, there is a subset of people who have taken advantage of the fact that there was a rent moratorium to stop paying their rent. There's a subset of people who can afford to pay their rent, but they didn't because, you know, free money, so to speak. But what about the rest? And I think that rest is a large number. I want us to think clear, carefully about this as, as we discuss it. One, we've heard about many families where the children are left to fend for themselves. You know, there's maybe an 18-year-old child or something in the house because they lost both parents to COVID. There are many more families that lost the breadwinner to COVID. So we've got a subset of people here who are in deep trouble. And how are we going to wonderfully treat those people? We're going to allow them to be kicked out on the street. Now, and I want to be fair here because I have a, a wide cross-section of, 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 of people in my audience, and I'm sure some are landlords. So I want to be fair to them too. One, you've got landlords who are not, you know, they don't hold, they don't own tons of property. They own maybe a house or two. They maybe rent, have two tenants. And if, they, if they're in a position where their tenants weren't paying, it is really difficult because, of course, there's houses that have mortgages, they have maintenance or whatever. And they're not a company. They're a single person, you know, who did an investment that is, that is trying to live out their dream. Then we have the millionaire and billionaire owners who own properties all across the United States and they don't even know what goes on in their buildings because they hire property management companies and they don't care about the tenants and you know the rent moratorium to, or, or rent moratorium to them and the, the, the lack of flow of this income to a certain percentage because I'm sure if they own that much real estate, they do have tenants who are paying the rent. Um, that means that, you know, maybe they can't make it on the Forbes billionaire list this year. Then you've got what we hear about a lot in New York, especially slumlords. Landlords who own a lot of property, they've been fined by the city, they have citations and all those, and, 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 and summons against them, and they just don't do anything to repair their properties. And every so often, their buildings end up in the news, and, and the news crew gets to go into these apartments and, and see the holes in the ceiling and the water dripping from the roof and the rats as, as big as cats running around the apartment. And those people still have the nerve to want to kick the, the tenants out, either because then they're finally going to fix it up and charge way more rent, or they just don't care. So I know the, 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 the bugging question here is, well, what do you do to accommodate all these types of people? Well, to be honest with you, I think that the powers that be, our government, did not have an, an, an end game plan when they imposed the rent moratorium. They didn't seem to think of 
you know, think through this properly as to the, when it ended, what does that mean? And, and in all fairness, I mean, even they, when we elect them to be our leaders because we, 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 we look at their skill set and we think that they have the, 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 the skill set and the brain power and everything else to, you know, think inside, outside, around the box, whatever the case may be, so that they make our lives better. And they couldn't have figured out what would have happened with the pandemic at the beginning. But look where we are today. Not blaming them. We, none of us created this pandemic. But the fact of the matter is, they've got to fix this problem. And I don't know how they do it. I had some thoughts, though. One of the thoughts I had was, well, and I don't know all the details about it, but I think at one point people were getting unemployment, plus they were getting extra money, an extra three or 600 or four, whatever, in their money. Maybe when the, the federal government decided to do that, maybe they should have said, you know what, out of the extra $600, if that's the number, whatever it is, 50% of that must go to your landlord. So while it's not anything close to what the landlord would usually get, they were not left out in the cold either. They'd be getting something, too, for maintenance, for income. Landlords got to live, right? I mean, think about all the scenarios here. I own two houses, I have, or I own three houses. I have two tenants. I have my own house. Um, my tenants are not paying me any rent, and I lost my job during the, during the pandemic, or my breadwinner lost the job of the home or whatever. Now we're all in, 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 a, in a hell of a position. The bank wants to come after me, and I don't have the money to pay my mortgage, nor the mortgages on the houses that I own that I'm renting. So this, this is a colossal mess. And I don't think people, people you know, we, we're, we're struggling with so much out of COVID that we haven't stopped to think of what this has created. And how much we need government to do certain things right. I'm going to jump around my notes here a little bit because as I thought about that, I said, you know, I keep remembering a story I heard from someone. I can't give out the details because I don't want to get anyone in trouble. But I know for a fact that in many scenarios, we make deals with foreign nations and we print $300, $500 million, whatever the case may be, and we ship it over there to them. As part of our deal. I wonder what it would take for the government to say, you know, the, the last time this, we had a pandemic was, what, 1918, whatever, 100, over 100 years ago. We were in trouble. Maybe this time around we print $300 million and we bail the American people out. Maybe we pay off and wipe out student loans, federal student loans, not private student loans. That's a different story, but federal student loans the government has, a, has the ability to wipe those out. And it's not going to hurt this country. Because all the people who, who went to school and got those degrees, etc., are putting their, their knowledge to use to benefit this country. Wipe it out. Why not? I don't, I don't think anybody cares that for, for how many years people have been paying off student loans. So does, does that mean that because people have been paying student loans, you, you're not going to wipe it out now because you think it's going to be unfair because 
you know, uh, somebody been paying it for the last 10 years. I'm, I'm sorry, get over it. We must change. We must evolve. We went through, we, we, we've been going through changes of life for every single day for all of our lives. And now we went through something that's so traumatic. And I want to be careful when I say went through because COVID's not done with us yet. I glanced to another monitor to my right, and I'm reading a headline that says, New New York COVID cases over 3,000 again. Hospitalizations over 900. I keep reading these different articles of people now who have been fully vaccinated, and now they have COVID again. They have the Delta variant. I keep reading about places like Australia where there's a Lambda variant that seems to have a certain amount of resistance against those vaccines. I read another note I heard on TV and that's something where someone within the CDC says they're actually not worried about Delta variant, variant or Lambda variant. They're actually worried about the next two iterations of a variant that we're going to face that none of these vaccines Will, will, will save us, you know, will work. And we're going to be back to the drawing board again, doing another Operation Warp Speed, trying to develop a new vaccine and going through tons of loss, of death. I look at another headline that says, there now have been over 200 million cases of COVID worldwide to date, August well, it's now August 5th, gone past midnight. And so, then it brings me to the thought of, you know, what is really going on with businesses and what's really going on with governments and what's really going on with especially governments that are, that are forcing employees, public service employees, back into the office at 100% capacity. And that's a scary thing. I am fully vaccinated. My family is fully vaccinated. My kids are not 12 years old yet, so they can't be. So anything I go out there and I get, I'm bringing home to my kids. And this is what gives me the anger and passion and everything to have these discussions over and over again because I believe and I, and I will do everything in my life to make sure that when the end of my life comes, my kids are going to bury me. I am not going to bury my kids. Not if I can help it. It is ridiculous to herd people back into the, these conditions. Wiping down deaths with Lysol and, and mopping floors does not get rid of COVID. When you herd people back into offices, number one, for all these buildings that have been built for, you know, and have been constructed years ago, what do the ventilation systems inside of those systems look like? Nobody's ever, they change filters on the outer ends of these systems. Every so often they do maintenance, they change filters. What does, what, what happens? What is, how does the ductwork run? You know, when I sneeze and I, and I sneeze and I, I didn't realize I was going to sneeze and I, didn't get to cover my mouth and nose in time when I sneeze and all the particles go up into the vents. How far do they travel? Packing buildings with people again just the way we were before COVID makes who responsible for our lives? Which politician, which leader, which boss 
is willing to go visit the homes of every single person, mother, father, child, son, daughter, to say, your family member has died and it is my fault. This practice that we went through for the last year and a half or whatever has shown that it has not hurt productivity in most industries, including many government industries. It has not hurt. Actually, it's in many cases, they've gotten more out of employees because employees are happier in the sense that they get more time with their families, they have a better quality of life, they're not running on the, spending three, four, five hours a day traveling on the, on the subways and the trains to go back and forth to work. They can get up in the morning you know, at 8 o'clock or a quarter to 8 in their pajamas, go to the computer, have a couple of meetings, do something else, and then when they have a break, go get a shower and then continue their day. They can take their lunch break and run around the corner, pick up their kids, or do whatever, run to the drugstore. Whatever the case may be, the point is human life is, has been better. Now, I know there's a downside to it, so I want to be careful because, you know, I have a friend, and I'm, I'm not going to call his name, but I'm sure when he listens to this episode, he's going to laugh. He and I go back and forth, and we've been going back and forth on this COVID issue. He's been very adamant that I've been, that, that I'm wrong until about some, sometime last week when he said to me, I've never done this before in my life. I'm not going to do it again. And I certainly won't admit it to anyone in your show, but you were right. Why did he say that? Because he's watching the numbers go up. He's watching the hospitals in Florida being overwhelmed again. And you know, we need to understand how complex a problem this is because we have, there's so many layers here. You have many officials saying, get vaccinated. I've been vaccinated. As I said, my family's vaccinated except for my kids. Get vaccinated. But now we have a couple of issues that one, the Delta variant and whatever variants I'm assuming, if, you know, and, and understand this. Let me pause there for a second. Let me digress there for a second to say that these viruses are intelligent. Between the people who are carriers and the people who have become sick with the virus, they are learning the human body. So every time they get transmitted to another human being, it's like anything else in the world. They adapt. They are intelligent viruses. They adapt. Just as if, you know, we, we, we lived in a, in a warm climate all the time and then we went to a cold climate and in the beginning we were miserable or whatever. What happens over time? We learn to put layers of clothes on. We learn to, to, to make our houses warmer. We learn to, whatever we learn to do, we learn routines that make us, allow us to survive in a new environment. Every time this virus goes from, to one body to the next, even a body that's vaccinated, it's learning to live in a new environment. Beating this things mean, means, beating this, this virus means that we need to be smarter than the virus. We need to stop playing politics. We need to stop grandstanding to our investors and, 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 and you know, these political organizations that, that, that sort of control or have a lot of impact on how votes go and swaying votes and who becomes what. We need to forget the politics and become humans. And, and you know, part of this problem is our problem. When I say our, we the voters. Because... Instead of holding officials accountable, we start off with Democrat, Republican, Independent. 
we are we will vote unfortunately for someone who is who is the candidate for our party without even knowing their policies without even knowing what they stand for without even knowing what the opposition stands for the opposition candidate and then after we vote them in and they and we never paid attention to how bad they were then we're going to sit there and scream and cry when they do things that are detrimental to our lives and our health. So, we, we, we need to be smart. And I understand now that you know, there, there is an issue here because cities around the world depend on people to travel in and out of, of their business areas to work in their business areas, to support the businesses in their business areas, the, the, the coffee shops, the breakfast, the coffee shops, the, the breakfast you know, places that the thousands and thousands of the population that travel to different cities each day from their homes to work, you know, they, they support those businesses. I get it. But that, in its, in, that, does, you know, that is a problem, but it does not negate the need to, to save lives. It doesn't negate the need to use common sense. And I'm not sitting here having an episode with you and telling you, oh, here is the answer. I don't know the answer, but I didn't run for office. I wasn't elected to fix these problems. I need to solve the problems in my own job, whatever my, my responsibilities are, not this. These problems are people who we elect, people who, who run for office, people who stand on podiums for months at a time and tell us how great they're going to be for us and how much better life is going to be and they're here for us and to solve our problems and everything else. So what happens? They do what the heck they want to do. And we just, we, we, you know, we are insane. We are insane. We are insane because the definition of insanity is repeating the same action over and over again and expecting a different result. And that's what pe we as people keep doing. We keep aligning ourselves with one candidate or another from a party or relying ourselves with a party and we forget about, you know, we even hear someone say something on a debate that is horrible and we find some way to rationalize it so that it, we can justify it to the opposition. Meanwhile, when things like COVID happen, we're caught in the middle of people making political decisions to ensure that their lifestyles are kept intact while people die. Over 600,000 people in the United States alone have died from COVID-19. I, I heard a, um, or I read, I read a story, I want to say, I don't know about, a week ago, maybe less. It was so sad. It was about a father who refused to take the vaccine. Who ended up getting COVID. He has five children. He's a breadwinner. And he texted his wife or fiance or whatever. I should have taken the vaccine. And then he died. So, we know for a fact that when you hear grave things like that, that one thing the government did right was 
they did their best with this vaccine. And I applaud them for that. But the problem is now they're putting all the eggs in the vaccine basket and you cannot. Life cannot go back to the way it was because as these viruses get smarter, the next one is going to be even worse. So what do we do? Do we, do we somehow get arrogant and ignorant enough to think that we beat this and we all pack our buildings again and then either the next variant of COVID comes or the su- another superbug comes and we react the same way we did at the beginning of COVID except we lose another 600,000 lives. This, is, this, this, this makes no sense to me. And then, so I'll go back to where I was before and I'll say, many, many, you hear many politicians, especially from the biggest cities, talking about revenue. And the fact, again, that because people are not using the trains and the subways or the public transportation or whatever, because they're remote, working remotely, they're losing revenue. And I say to them, it's time for you to evolve. It's time for you to think outside the box. It's time for you to figure new ways on making revenue. And as I was thinking about that, then something crossed my mind that got me angry again. I guess I got a lot of anger in this episode. Imagine someone who opens a business, an entrepreneur. And I want to run through this cycle with you. They take a loan from the bank. They have all the right intentions. They open a business. They hire some employees. They, they have the right concept. They do everything right. The business is growing. They're paying taxes. They're paying a lot of taxes. Not only taxes for the business, but personal taxes as their business grows and they, they make more money. And then they get to a point where they, they, they break the, the, the glass ceiling. And through investments or whatever, they become super rich. Now they're making a hundred times more or a thousand times more than they were making before. And guess what? Now the tax laws work in favor of them and they pay less taxes. And this is the thing that I've heard many politicians talk about, but no one's been able to accomplish. You know, when you, when you want to say to a person who is wealthy, you need to pay your fair share of taxes or you need to pay more tax than you're paying now and you need to pay taxes that are equal to your income. Oh, you, are you, why are you penalizing me for making more money? That's not it. Why are you penalizing rich people? The middle class and the lower class people are the two classes of people that foot the biggest part of the tax bill of this country. The most tax revenue earned in this country is from middle and lower class. The rich are not. The rich find all the, the, the loosely written uh, tax laws to, to, as loopholes to maintain their wealth and get, get wealthier. And here's the crazy part. Those same people who are creating all this noise about paying more money in taxes, why are you going to tax this? You know, I guess you know, I can't be a billionaire anymore. I don't know. Their businesses and everything that they own are being run by their employees who are lower, 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 upper, or, or, or middle, I won't say lower, upper, but lower and middle income earners. 
So they're, they're thriving and getting richer because middle-class people and lower-class people are working for them, and those same people are paying the bulk of the taxes of this nation. What's wrong with this picture? What is wrong with how, with how things are, are, are run? What is wrong with, with, with our equality, our system of equality? It seems like everywhere we turn, we have to fight. It's, it's, it's gender equality, socioeconomic equality. I mean, it, it, is, it is ridiculous. It's racial equality, don't let me leave that out. It is ridiculous that all of us born into this world the same way who should all be playing a part of a social system for the betterment of all humankind as we live through our lives, have found the perfect system to segregate the top 1% from the rest of the world and make those who have to carry the heaviest burdens pay for the lives of the, or, or the, or the maintenance of the rest of the world or the rest of this country at least. And politician after politician and election after election, we hear all the promises. The promises of, of the rich will pay more. But you know, the fact is when these people get behind closed doors, they're all rich. People who go, people, you know, many politicians who, who have, have climbed the ladder with passion and gotten to a certain level, there's a, there's a change, there's a transformation. They go from passionate to about humankind and life and making better to passionate about being rich and having security and having a nice home and taking care of their family. And then they don't want to lose that power. So every time election time comes, they tell us about what they're going to do. They give us a list of a hundred things they're going to do. And then they make sure that before the next election comes up or right before it comes up, they think they, they accomplish two of those things. And because we are either Democrat or independent or Republican, we vote that person back into office. Whoever gets the most votes goes back to being, you know, to, to living that easy life once again. And, and the majority of us, middle, lower income, poor, continue the same suffering, the same cycle of suffering, politician after politician, government after government, different Senate and, and, and House and, 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 and Senate after House and Senate, different makeup of Republicans and Democrats, and nothing changes for us. And if that's bad enough, but now... They're playing with our lives. And the thing is, you, you, you hear this plea across CDC and you know, federal government everywhere that we must be vaccinated. And I agree with that. Personally, I do. I had COVID. I know what it feels like. I'm concerned about the Delta variant now because I had my vaccination uh, almost eight months ago. And we're still trying to figure out whether the immunity it gives you is 12 months and six months. And that immunity is only based on, I guess, the same virus, the same strain. But what about Delta? What about Lambda? What about the next two down the road? What about me sitting on a subway or sitting in an office with, you know, a few hundred other people and someone sneezes and doesn't get to cover the nose in time? And I wear my mask in the office and, you know, maybe people ridicule me or whatever because mask mandates have been thrown out the window. 
And then I go to use the bathroom and I touch the sink and someone actually sneezed there and then I don't realize I subconsciously wipe my face on my nose, touch my face on my nose. And then this, 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 this virus has the incubation in me and every day I'm coming home to my children. And maybe there comes a time when there's a, vi a, a variant, and I hate to say it, but a variant of this COVID-19 uh, virus that doesn't spare children anymore because we've been pretty lucky in that direction. Then what do we do? Who's going to say sorry to me? My employer is probably going to tell me, you got to use your sick leave if you're sick, and when it's over and when it's done, you have no more leave, and, 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 and you have to go on disability, and they're going to ruin your lives. You're going to lose your everything, your, your, your dreams, your house, your home, your, everything you can lose. But they're never going to blame themselves. Make the tax laws proportionate to income. Get more revenue from the billionaires who can afford to pay it and who've been slipping and sliding through this system free in a free ride all this time. Use other methods by the genius that you're supposed to be because we, you claimed you were when we elected you to find new ways of revenue. Think outside the box. Evolve as human beings. Don't return to the way it was because we cannot. And people, you need to understand, and I keep coming to this topic, but I keep uh, going in a different direction, but what I want to also talk about in terms of vaccination is why people are not taking it. You hear people say things like, I want to see the long-term effects first. Well, why? Well, in case... We can't figure out why. In case people in Washington and wherever are sitting around saying, whoa, I'm throwing their hands up. It's a simple answer. There are still millions upon millions of people who do not trust government. Someone reminded me the idea of the story of when the, the, the black soldiers were injected with syphilis, was it? Under the guise of something else? under the guise of, 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 of uh, a medication? And how many other times has that happened in history? Where people are used as guinea pigs and now, you know, they develop a vaccine in, in, in a third of the time they're supposed to and you expect the entire population to just, just drink the, the Kool-Aid? Again, I'm vaccinated. I believe in it. But I'm just telling you, why people don't. If we can't trust government to make decisions that preserve our lives, if we're staring that, them down at 600, 600 and something thousand deaths later, as we, as, if we look and we examine how this started and all the lies and, that were told in the beginning and then the things that were clarified and all that. This is why people do not get the vaccination. They're, some of them are even further uh, out there, and I, and I don't agree with them, but they're further out there. They don't even believe COVID is real. I mean, think about it for a second. We don't even know what's real with government sometimes. There was a protest one time, or what do you call it, um, Area 51, where maybe you believe that there's alien aircraft that are in the deep underground military facility. I don't know. I don't, I don't know anything everything about this universe, but the point is you've got enough people who do not trust what they hear coming out of the government's mouth with good reason.
Now you're telling them to drink the Kool-Aid. And the problem with it is because they won't drink the Kool-Aid, they're either going to die, they're either going to never, or they may never get COVID, or there may be carriers who pass it on to someone else. And there's nothing we can do about that because that's a problem that the government created historically. I call upon our leaders, our, the politicians, to look for a new normal that keeps people safe. To look for new ways of revenue, to look at new ways to help um, businesses in these, you know, in the big cities that they're hurting because people have not returned to work. Because the fact of the matter is, many private companies have gone totally remote or or, or ninety percent remote permanently. So that's never coming back. Businesses have to close, and you have to offer those business owners some help or some guidance or some whatever you need to do. That's their job to figure out to either make their business evolve or to open a new business or to go into a different line of work, whatever it is, don't have the answers. Didn't say it would be easy. Just saying this is our reality. I don't know how I would function in an office with 100% capacity again. I don't know how I would feel every time someone sneezes, every time I get a sore throat, every time I sneeze or cough or feel sick or feel like I have a fever. That is fear. That is fear because I don't know how many people that I talk to on this podcast ever got to see someone in, 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 in bad condition with COVID. Someone sent me a video that I, I looked at it and now I can't unsee it, but I wish I could unsee it. There was a young lady on the gurney. She was gasping. She, she, she were giving her ear and they were, you know, not, not, she wasn't intubated, but they were giving her oxygen through her nose. But every time she took a breath, her feet and her shoulders, everything came up off the, the gurney and, and, and put her body in a V. I would, you know, I mean, probably a foot off the gurney or her shoulders and her legs and then went back down. She took another breath. The gasping was painful to watch. This was someone like, you might as well be holding them underwater. They were choking for ear and they didn't have space in the hospital. So they were laying on the gurney outside in the hallway. Not even a doctor looking at them. This person probably need to be intubated immediately because they were going to pass out and they're going to die not just from the lack of oxygen, but because of the, the, the pressure on their heart. Struggling to breathe. You know, there's a lot of young people who got COVID that died. And you say they died from COVID, but basically their heart gave out because of this, this strenuous breathing. The heart's a muscle. So I don't know how many of you will share this episode. And I hope enough of you do. I don't know how many of you will Share it to people who will listen. Share it to people who can make a difference. Share it to someone you know who knows someone who knows a politician. Share it to people who can influence the, the, the powers that be to start looking at things differently and changing their minds. Maybe, maybe the new norm to start with is a, is a new hybrid configuration where you get, I, I think a lot of offices are doing 50% right now, 50% as they work up to 100 so one week, 50% goes in the next week, 50% goes in the back and forth. But maybe I think 50% is still too much. So maybe somehow you have to figure out days of the week and figure maybe only 30% going. 
I still don't understand how that helps us on the trains and all these things because I don't even think they're cleaning the trains and, and those things the way they used to. As I'm, as I'm saying this to you, I'm thinking about a, a, a uh, joke that someone sent me, you know, a cartoon, so to speak. And it said, we are really stupid people. I want to know, I want to take a moment to see if I can quickly pull it up on my phone. Um, bear with me here because I want to know if I can, I, I want to describe it to you, but I want to know if I can describe it correctly. I can't remember who sent it to me, so maybe I can't. But basically what it says is, it shows is, we go to the airport to travel. We join a line to check in, and we stand six feet behind each other with masks on. So you look at the line at the airport, it's going all the way down, all the way out sometimes on the pavement because everybody has six feet distance, social distancing. And after we check in, what do we do? We get on the plane and sit next to each other and pack the plane. And close the doors. I mean, I, I think there's probably a bunch of animals sitting outside the, you know, the stray dogs or whatever, sitting outside the airport looking at us and saying, these are some dumb people. Look at them standing six feet apart to check in, and then they go sit in the plane and basically, you're, what, three inches away from the person next to you? I mean, think about it for a second. And think about how moronic it is. And think about how, you know, businesses that need to pack their seats in their planes and all that to survive. I get it. Again, I am not saying this is easy. But think about what you're selling. Think about, you know, how many of you out there are drinking this Kool-Aid? How often do we see situations where people make choices for our lives and then we, we all have regret in allowing those people to make choices for our lives? People who are concerned about their own careers and their own next steps and all of that, and they, have, they just don't care. People who think that they get uh, uh, some kind of accolades and they get some sort of honor by returning to normal and then they get to walk away, and the aftermath of what they have decided to force people into is devastation that they claim, well, it wasn't like that when I left. I don't know why it is that we simply can't say we have to change the way we are. We cannot go back to the way we were. And we have to do this for the benefit of humankind because over 200 million people worldwide have, 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 been, have, you know, have had the case of COVID. And I don't know what the number is um, worldwide in terms of deaths, but I know in the United States, it's over 600,000 now. I wonder, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try right here as I'm speaking to you, to go to Google and say, uh, worldwide COVID deaths. Let's see here. COVID deaths. And see if we can get a number that comes up. So, according to what I've just pulled up on my phone, there have been 4.25 million deaths worldwide from COVID. Think of that number. 
think about how many gener, especially since in the beginning it was really attacking seniors. Think about how many grandma and grandpas have gone. Think about how many great grandmas and great grandpas have gone. Think about how many people who have been so great in our lives and, and, and were living a good life one moment. They were, they were doing charity work. They were blessing us with their presence. And the next thing you know, because of politicians and politicians and, 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 and all the crap that went on when this virus started and the pandemic started and our arrogance as human beings, they are dead to the tune of 4.25 million. And they give a little breakdown here. I can't, I'm going to go through the top five. So United States, it seems to have the highest at 615,000. India, 425,000. Brazil, 558,000. Russia, 158,000. France, 112,000. And now we're up to, in New York, is, I'm, I'm talking about New York because I live in New York, up to over 3,000 cases a day again. Now, understand something. When we were making decisions about return to work, we had gone down to about 300 cases a day. Now we're over 3,000 cases a day, and we still have politicians saying, you know what, I got to run for election soon, and I got a bunch of my constituents who hate masks, so now nah, I'm not going to put in another mask mandate. No, I'm not going to do that. Why would I do that? We still have people who want to walk around the stores. And I, and I live out in Long Island, New York. Walmart, Home Depot, Lowe's, no masks. I don't understand what the big deal is to wear a mask. I understand what it is for people who suffer from respiratory issues. But that's not the majority of us. A mask is not comfortable. A mask, if you have to run to the bus or run up the stairs or something, can, can be very restrictive. I, I've dealt with it. But when I think about the fact that when I run up the stairs like, and I'm struggling to breathe because this mask is stopping my wind, I get to where I'm going and maybe I go into a room by itself or whatever, I can take off the mask and breathe again versus not wearing a mask and breathing no more. I don't know... How many of you listened to my previous rants on this? But I'm hoping that I will con that that you hear me and that you will share this. And I want to. I'm going to continue talking about it until until I see something different happen in public, or somebody listens, or you guys share this to the point it goes viral, and we join as a united force to say, "Hey, you're not going to do this anymore. We elected you as federal every level, federal, state, city. We elected you all to lead us in the right way." And most importantly, start with preserving our lives. Hybrid work environments is a way to go, at least for now, while we watch this variant, which may, as I'm thinking, may get worse, and then we probably need to go back to um, remote again. We have, we, have, we have government officials who are already pledging no lockdowns. Can you understand that? Do you, do you understand what that means? You have government officials who are not saying, I have to watch to see what happens before I make a decision on a lockdown. You have government officials saying, no, there will be no more. There will be no more lockdowns. I, that, how that translates to me in the back of my head is, I'm telling you from their perspective, there will be no more lockdowns, meaning 
If it gets that bad, you will just die too bad for you. And I want everybody who is listening to this to think about something else. Look at our federal officials. Look, look at most of the, the, the elected government employees across the board. Have you ever noticed how long they live? Look at our, our ex-presidents. Look at, at, at uh, Ronald Reagan, who died at 90-something. Uh, George Bush Sr., 90-something. Jimmy Carter's still alive. He, just, he had brain surgery a couple of years ago. Everybody thought he was dead. Now he's 90-something. Do you realize that these people have the best health care, health care that you and I could never dream of? So while we are suffering and losing family members and losing our lives, they're living in a bubble of, 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 of such protection that barring anything that they can't control, you know, they they live all live long lives because they get from our taxpayer money what we don't get. And I want you to look around your neighborhoods. I want you to understand as the moratorium comes to an end. I want you to think about the families who are legitimately in trouble. Maybe a mother and father and three or four kids and the father was the breadwinner and he died from COVID and now you're putting a mother and three or four kids on the street. We've heard about shelters that governments provide where they go into the shelters and if they got young children, girls or boys, they, they go through sexual assaults, they go through theft, they go through um, all kinds of assaults. You meet many homeless people when you're doing outreach. You meet many homeless people who prefer to live on the street because what the governments provide, the environment, the understaffed environment, the, the uncontrolled environments where they go in and the child goes to the bathroom and the child gets raped or something like that is not what people can deal with. So what are you doing? We're talking about somewhere between 3 and 10 million people. And I'm not sure... When we say 3 or 10 million people, what that census covers, I'm not sure if it covers all the kids because then the number gets higher. You're going to put these people out on the street? Is this what we are going to look like to the rest of the world? Is this what we're going to look like to our creator? We are so hungry for money. A government that is refusing to do, again, wipe out student loans, especially for healthcare workers, but for everyone. Federal student loans, you shouldn't have to pay to go to school for a country that you end up giving all of your resources back to. Wipe them out. Pay them off. It's not even paying the money. Just turn the number off. It's federal loans. It's your federal government's money. And then look at these people that, you're, that you just blindly went on vacation I think it was one uh, member of the House representative, something, I forgot her name, who is, has been camping out on the steps of the Capitol trying to call these people back in to extend this rent moratorium because the fact is they had no end game and they need to come up with an end game and they need to extend it until they can come up with an end game because the bottom line is this. When our streets are flooded again, when we have these amount of people out on the street, can you imagine the next effect of crime? Places like where I am in New York, there's shootings every weekend now. Crime seems to have picked up during COVID and it, and it, and it looks like it's, it's going for a home run. 
Now you put all these women and kids and fathers and brothers and sisters and parents and elderly out on the street. Really? Is that who we are? Money has become such a root of such evil. And it's a ripple effect because if the federal government doesn't bail out certain people, including the landlords, and the banks and everybody's going to come after the landlord, and the landlord didn't get the rent because there was a rent moratorium, and the rent, people on rent who, who didn't pay their rent were not bailed out by the federal government, it's a cycle. It's a vicious cycle. Anyone, I think, who can sit on top of all these people, watch all these deaths, and, and say things like, no, we don't care, I call the Antichrist. Because the fact of the matter is, we as human beings are social human beings. That's one thing my, my, my friend that I mentioned earlier who said I was right, uh, you know, one of the things he said to me that he was right about. We are social human beings. This pandemic has been hard on us because we haven't been able to socialize. But even as social human beings, I think the first Instinct is preservation of lives for ourselves, for our children, for our parents. The reason we cry at at funerals is because we wanted the person laying in the casket to live longer and to be here. I don't have the answers. But if we start the conversation, if we start the empathy, if we start ownership of our responsibilities at different levels of government and employment or wherever we are, if we start being really social human beings and supporting each other, if government understands that it's time to make bold moves to wipe out student loans, to wipe out certain debts, to give people a clean slate to to restart the economy and restart life. Remember, a pandemic is saying something beyond all of our control. There's no political answer to it in its entirety. There's no economic answer to it in its entirety. There's no medical answer to it in its entirety. All of these pieces need to work together. And the bottom line is, if we are not smart enough, if we are not humble enough to understand that we're in trouble again with the Delta variant, we need to watch it. We need to be very careful of not making decisions to be grandstanding or to to keep a promise we made when we can't simply say, I was wrong. We got to go back to remote. We got to go back to lockdown. We got to figure out ways to, to, I don't know, guess what? We got to treasury, print money and, 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 and give grants to these businesses so they can survive and they can eat. Whatever we have to do, it's not my job to figure it out. It's the people that we're paying salaries to as politicians, the people who right now went on vacation and left this rent moratorium up in the ear, the people who, who, who choose when they're going to stay back and not go on vacation for something that's more important to them. I think I heard that the two New Yorks, the two airports in New York, the LaGuardia and JFK from this infrastructure bill will get $987 million. I think New York gets something like 10 point something billion dollars. I wonder if someone can give me the total number of student loans owed. I got a feeling it's a fraction of that. And in one fell swoop, the government can do right by the people who elected them to govern and change the lives and bless the lives of the people who depend on them. 
And I don't want to hear about the pundits who talk about the economics and the financial inflation and all that. All those things are man-made, man-created. Those environments of inflation and this and that are all man-created issues that should be solved by man. I'm going on almost an hour now. I didn't intend to. It's been 56 minutes since I started. I'm sorry if I uh, went on a little longer than I should have, but it's something I'm very passionate about. Especially for all humankind, when it comes to people being forced back to make sure that cities get money in their, in their pockets again for transportation and all that. It's the people who are struggling, the people who are middle class, the people who are low class, the people who are denied promotions, the people who are denied raises, the people who are part of the ping pong game of minimum wage and all this nonsense. They're the ones that have, that are, that have the burden of the rest of this country on their backs. And now that their families have been destroyed by this pandemic, many of them we're now looking at them and saying, well, in the, in the height of the pandemic, when everybody was affected, we cared. But enough is enough. So we don't care. Figure it out for yourself. We're going to get you kicked out of your apartments. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna start demanding you pay your student loans. Or are we going to put liens against your homes and put you in collection? We're going to ruin your lives for something even you had no control over, but... It, that, none of that matters. It's just important that the rich people get to keep their money and make a little bit more off of your misery, and that's okay. There are a lot of good rich people out there. That's one of the last things I'm going to say before I, I wrap this up. I think I read somewhere that when Jeff Bezos returned from his space trip, he gave two people $100 million each to solve some of the crises of the world. I applaud him for that. In those, in that failed swoop, in that one, in that one, not failed swoop. Forgive me for that. In that one swoop of 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 kindness, two hundred million dollars to help people. Now imagine if the government took two hundred million dollars and wiped it off the books of student loans. And I keep harping on student loans because. People are struggling with mortgages. They're struggling with rents. And now they, they, they went to school to, 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 to become better. This, this economy, the same economy and the same environment created by the same government doesn't afford them a job equal to their credentials when they graduate, but then you pound them into the dirt with these student loans. We're better than that. We're better as human beings. Our creator made us better than that. As our creator looks down on us right now, he must be shaking his head, so disappointed. He created us for greatness. And we have just morphed ourselves into greed. And, and, and a place of lack of empathy. He created us as social beings, but we don't care about each other. He created us with empathy, but we, we don't care if we watch someone being trampled on and trod on. We'll trod on them ourselves to get where we want to go. Many people who believe in our Creator work hard to be more like Christ. Politicians make big speeches. And at the end of their speeches, what do they all say? God bless America. 
I wish they would really live up to their truth and use their positions that we have entrusted them with to preserve our lives, to think about the quality of our lives, to put us human beings first. And when they do that and show empathy and understanding and, 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 and real understanding of, of, of their responsibilities, then God will truly bless America and the world. We need them to do the right thing. It's been my absolute pleasure to share my perspective and thoughts with you again, as was requested by several of my supporters. I thank you for this honor and privilege of being able to do this each week. I hope that through whatever means you can, virtuous means that you can keep yourself safe and your family safe. And I pray that faith and common sense rule and that politics takes a back seat to the lives that we all share. I want to say a very special thank you to everyone out there who supports 247 Real Talk Podcasts and to those who requested me to continue to share my perspective. I'm thankful for this platform. And I hope that you share my thoughts with everyone you meet so that we can live as human beings with pride, with dignity, empathy, with love in support of each other. Thanks again for your support. Remember that you can listen to this episode and any or every episode of 247 Real Talk podcast on your favorite podcast app. If you'd like to send me a message, if you'd like to be a guest on this show, if you'd like to send a message via this podcast to a previous guest, you can send me an email at podcast. That's podcasts at 247realtalk.net. Until the next time, take care of yourselves, please, and each other.